Welcome to this week's episode of The Road Podcast. Today's message entitled, Over My Dead Body, and it's the last sermon in our series of God Help. This may be the most practical message you'll ever hear, and it's about how we to reach your friends and your family with the gospel. Before diving in, Pastor Matthew shares a personal story about his feisty grandmother and how it relates to the message. He then goes in to talk about the proximity principle and how being in the right relationship with God can change the people around you. Take a listen and enjoy the challenge. Good morning, church family. I'm so glad that you are here. Uh, We are wrapping up our current sermon series entitled God Help. Uh, For the last maybe six or seven weeks, we've been talking about God help me with something. And uh, today... We're talking about this topic, God help me reach my friends and family with the gospel, okay? God help me reach my friends and family with the gospel. How many of you would say, by raising your hand, you know or think you know someone that you would love to see come into relationship with Jesus Christ? Make him Lord and Savior of their life. That's, That's about everybody in here. Uh, most of us have someone that comes to our mind. We're talking about salvation, hoping they get people get saved, hoping people go to heaven, have right relationship with God. We have somebody that comes to uh, our mind. Uh, to kind of set up our time today, let me tell you a little story. Uh, about my grandmother Scruggs. Next time I, I preach, I'm going to give you a story about my grandpa Costner. But today I'm going to talk about my grandmother Scruggs. Uh, my mom's mom. We grew up, I grew up across the street from her um, when I was a kid. We all lived on a big farm. I lived across the street from her. And uh, one of the things that was so fun about her is that she was feisty. Anybody got a feisty grandma? Uh, Ours was so feisty, my grandmother, that you couldn't say grandmother. That was almost like too formal. You had to call her mama. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, mama, uh, She didn't have a motto, but if she did, it would probably be, try Jesus, not me. You hear what I mean? Like, does that make sense? I mean, she loved Jesus, but if she had to, you know, lay it down, she would. Anybody know anybody like that? Is that some of y'all's family? How country are y'all? That's that's, going to let me know. Okay? I mean, they they love Jesus, but you better not push them too far. You hear what I'm saying? It's going to, they'll take those loving, gracious gloves off real quick. Uh, So... I grew up, and my grandma, just feisty. It was fun to live across the street from her and my grandpa. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, one day, my mom and I came in from school. My mom was a school teacher. We came in, and, and someone had broken into our house. And uh, ultimately, long story short, I, you know, that kind of made me fearful of some things. And I'd be with my grandma, staying at her house across the street. And, and I would try to rile her up at times. I mean, she was fun to get going. Once you got her going, it was just, it was fun to see what was going to happen next. And so... You know, I would say to her, you know, because she was small, you know, petite little lady. She looked sweet, but again, she was fiery. You hear what I'm saying? And so I would say to her, you know, why would you do? Because you're so little. Like if somebody broke in the house and tried to get me and she would end up after I got her so mad, she'd say over my dead body. Would anybody ever come in and get what's mine? Anybody heard that saying before? I haven't heard that here. Over my dead body. If you're not familiar with that phrase, what it means is, is whatever you're saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to stop it from happening, including die. You hear, I'm willing to give my life 
to make sure that whatever it is, the scenario that you're painting and trying to teach me about, whatever that is, I'm willing to die to make sure that doesn't happen. Over my dead body, my grandma would say, would I ever let somebody break in and take what's mine? As I was thinking about this message today, that phrase kind of kept coming in my mind, over my dead body. And this is the thought that I, that I really spent much time meditating on, is where would we be as a nation if all of our attitudes were over my dead body, will I allow my friends and family to be taken by sin in the world? Most of us, it's easy to think of when, it talks, when we're talking about like stuff that we got in the house, Right? Uh, over my, I'm going to go after. It's easy to think of when we're thinking about our kids and our family. Why did someone came and kidnapped my kid? Oh, well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to go get them back. It's easy to think of it as relates to like these practical concepts of my kids at the house or the stuff that I have. But when we talk about spiritual things, imagine where we would be as a nation if we felt so gung-ho about protecting our families from sin as we were protecting them from dangerous people. Over my dead. So that's the title of today's message, Over My Dead Body. Um, it's a statement that is said a lot in the South, but it's also a statement that's said essentially in God's word. The, the truth that we're going to build on is as it relates to uh, God helping us with our, our friends and family that are lost. When we do our part, uh, God will do his part. When we do our part, God will do his part. Listen to this. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is found in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 21, 31. This is what it says. The horse is prepared for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Listen to me again. The horse is prepared for battle. There's a preparation that somebody's got to do because a horse can't get ready on its own. The horse is prepared for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. In other words, I hope you just hear this out. We have a responsibility as Christians to prepare to do whatever it takes to advance the gospel. But we also live in this tension slash this reality as Christians that anything and everything, the outcome is always up to God. We have a responsibility, advance the gospel, but we have a reality, everything that we do, the outcome is always about and up to God. Are you with me? We're going to live in this tension today, and we're going to talk about it in the concept over my dead body. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, have your way. We love you. I lift you up. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would draw us to you. Not only those in this room, but Lord, all those that are watching online. And Lord, that's, you can do that. You speak to every single one of us. And so today, God, I pray that not only would you speak to us, but Lord, as you speak, you would give us the courage and the strength to act on your word. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're gonna be talking about Abraham and Lot today. Abraham and Lot. We're gonna be in Genesis 11 through 14. Primarily where we're gonna end up hanging out in is Genesis 14. But I wanna just kind of share you bits and pieces so you can understand the relationship that Lot has with Abraham, okay? In Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, we learn that Lot is Abraham's brother's, Haran's son, okay? So in other words, Lot is Abraham's nephew. Okay? Abraham had a brother, Haran. Haran had a son, Lot. And that's what we find out in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. The relationship, though, was pretty unique because Haran and Lot and Abraham and Sarah all lived with uh, Lot's papa, okay? Or uh, Haran and Abraham's dad, Terah, 
Okay, so they all lived in the same house. So the relationship would be unique because even though Lot, if you will, is Abraham's nephew, they all lived together. So in essence, and part of that's because Haran died, okay, when, he, when Lot was little. So when they all lived in the same house, really Lot grew up much like Abraham's little brother. Are you with me? They're all living in the same house. It's the nephew, but the dad's dead. They all stay together. So again, the way that they would have been raised was this is Abraham's little brother, Lot. Well, Terah, by the time we get to Genesis 13, dies. But Lot is still living in the house. How, let me just ask you this. How many of you live with extended family? Some of you do. Well, then you know how this is going to turn out. Okay? You already know. They all live in the same house. And, uh, and so what that means is that everything that Lot is experiencing, listen to me, um, he gets to experience it because it's Abraham's. He's living in Abraham's house. Uh, my, my kids have friends in the neighborhood. They come over. Uh, they're, they're not my kids. Praise the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, but they take what's in my fridge because they're in my house. When you come to my house, what I have, you also get to enjoy. You sit on my couch. It ain't your couch. It's my couch. But you get to enjoy it. You hear what I'm saying? That's how it is. I, I need you to understand Lot got to experience the favor that was on Abraham. Here, in psychology and in spiritual matters, there's a principle out there called the proximity principle. The proximity principle. Here, here's what we see as it relates spiritually. When you are in right relationship with God, the people around you will be blessed. In other words, listen to me, um, when you are right with God, the people that are closest to you will experience the overflow of that relationship. You want things to be better within your family? Then get in right relationship with God because everybody around you is going to experience the overflow of what God is doing in you because what's in you is going to come out. Are you with me? We all on the same page? Um, as Abraham grew wealthier... Because Lot was at the house, Lot grew wealthier. And how many of you know more money, more problems? Okay? I don't know. That's what they said. I mean, I don't know that to be sure. Okay? So the more people, the more money Abraham had, the more people he got to hire. Ladies, that's maybe think of a, a glam squad. Hello? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Uh, he had people. Lot had people. Okay? The problem wasn't between Abraham and Lot. The problem was their staff got the bickering. They had problems with one another, okay? It was enough problems that Abraham eventually said, hey, look, uh-uh, you, you got to go. Abraham loved his nephew Lot, but what Lot brought with him was a whole bunch of drama. How many of you know already, you, there's some people in your life that you love, but when they come around, they bring with them a lot of drama, <laughs> right? That's just life. Abraham loved his nephew. He was dramatic. And so finally... Abraham said, verse 8 of chapter 13, please, for the love, separate from me. Okay? And instead of saying, now, I just want you to hear me say, uh, if I'd have been lot, I'd have been like, uh, Abraham, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, let me make it up to you. Uh, instead of doing whatever it took to stay around Abraham, because again, Lot was experiencing the, the, the favor of God on Abraham. Instead of saying, well, I'll do whatever it takes to stay here, uh, Lot didn't. Abraham knew that it all came from God. And Abraham knew that, the, that everything that he had was, had been given to him because of his relationship with God. But Lot didn't care about a relationship with God. 
And because he didn't care about it, he said, okay, fine, I'm going to get as far away as I can as I can. Okay, matter of fact, the scripture says this. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far away as Sodom. Now here's the second concept of this proximity principle that I want you to understand. Okay, here it is. Now listen very carefully. The first step away from God is always a step away from the people of God. Listen to it again. The first step away from God is always a step away from the people of God. I'm going to go so far to say this. The people in your life that you know that that had a relationship with God, the first step away from that was when they left the church, God's people. And from the moment, listen to me, that Lot walked away from Abraham representing God's people, his problems began. His problems began. Verse 13 tells us why. The men of Sodom, the people that he went to go be with, were exceedingly wicked and sinners against the Lord. You know, I won't pretend to act like I know everything about Lot's relationship with God because I simply don't. But I do know this, is that um, it's hard for me to always do the right thing when everybody around me is doing the wrong thing. I mean, I may initially have uh, good intentions, <laughs> but eventually, if I'm hanging out with people and all they're ever doing is the wrong thing, eventually, I'll give in. I'll give in. Um, if I'm not surrounded by the right people helping hold me accountable to do the right things, I will drift away from where I want to be and end up doing the things I never said I would. Um, there's an old cliche out there. You guys have probably heard it. If you, lay, if you sleep with dogs, you're going to wake up with. Are you, are you guys with me? And uh, <laughs> Genesis 14. Or how about this? How many of you know this? I like this. How, how many of you know there's just some people you can't be around anymore? That's like everybody I went to high school with. <laughs> Okay, I just can't do it. Uh, I know military guys that say, I just can't hang out with those people anymore because just things that happen. You hear what I'm saying? There's just some people who can't be around anymore. Uh, because you know, if you end up being with those people, you're going to get caught up in their ways, doing their things, and thinking about what they think about. And that was Lot. He was with the wrong people. Oh, I know what it is. He was with the wrong people. You hear me? With the wrong people. And he got caught up in the ways and the things that was happening where they were. Well, what was happening? Well, Genesis 14 tells us that a war broke out among the different kings of the area. And as a result, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were killed. Verse 11 says this, Then they, which is the winning kings of Shinar, Elam, and Goam, took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. Now, let me say this. um, In that day, it's not like this day. In this day and time, if, if you go win a war, Evidently, you go give them a bunch of money. I don't know. That's what it seems like anyways, okay? And that day, if you won a war, whatever they had, it was now yours. Okay? To the point, verse 12 tells us in, in chapter 14, they also took Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Now, listen to what Scripture says. This is what we're going to hang out on for just a minute. 
Then a fugitive, that is one of Lot's hired people escaped. A fugitive came and told Abram, the Hebrew. Now, how about this? Let me stop. How, how many of y'all think y'all country? Okay, great. I'm gonna, I'm, this is going to let me know if you really are. How many of you ever have been given or told directions like this? Now, you go down to the yellow house and you hang a lab. And then you're going to get to an oak tree. You're going to know it when you see it. Trust me. You hear what I'm saying? Anybody? Hey, right? This is how you know God is country right here. Now he was living by the oak tree of Mamre. Okay, that's, this, is in, this is God's word. Uh, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner, and they, these were allies with Abraham. In other words, Abraham had, was good with his neighbors, okay? When Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he led out his trained men born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants and defeated them and pursued them as far as Hobah which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods and, all, and also brought back his relative lot with his possessions and also the women and the people. It, I love this story, okay? Because listen to me, Abraham got word that his nephew, again, he loved his nephew, but his nephew was dramatic. We already know, we already talked about that. He got word that his nephew had got caught up in the problems of Sodom. And instead of saying, how about this? Well, I told him not to go down there. I told him not to go around those people anymore. He knew he couldn't go over there and, and, and get away with it. How about, instead of saying, uh, I guess he got what he deserves. These are things we say. Uh, instead of saying, that's my family. Oh, man, why don't we just get together and pray about it? Pray for him. No, 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 no. Praying's a good thing. But there wasn't no time for praying. Abraham got his boys, 318 of them. Just by the way, a king's armies is at minimum 10,000 people. Okay? And so 30,000 had already whooped up 20,000. But now, Abraham, because he's got the favor of the Lord on him, he took 318 and they whooped up on 30. You, you with me? Over his dead body. Was he willing, listen to me very carefully, to let his nephew stay captive in the land that he was living? I got goosebumps. How different would it be if we said the same thing about those we love that's held captive by sin? Over my dead body, am I going to let them sit there now? I don't want you to be mad at me. Uh, I, hear me. I believe in the power of prayer. I really do. We should always be praying. But I think sometimes we use prayer as a crutch. You realize we don't have to pray about what God has already told us to do? Um, the wise thing would do, to be would be to go do it and pray while you go do it. But how silly if God has told us something and we say, well, let us think about it. What? If your kid had just been kidnapped, would you be thinking about it? Or would you go get him? There's a time to pray. And there's a time to act. And God has already told us in his word what we need to do. If those we love have been taken. I'm going to go through some scripture real quick. 
okay? I'm going to put it in a nutshell. This is what he said. Go get them. Go get them. But we're going to look at some scripture because I don't want y'all to think I'm making this up. Okay? Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. God has a message of salvation. In other words, I got you. He said, but how's the people going to find out what Isaiah say in Isaiah 6, 8? Here I am. Let me go. Send me. In the Old Testament, he's showing us, listen to me, that our response is to go. He clarifies it in the New Testament. Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it's known as the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. The first step in the disciple-making process is evangelism. Your friend is lost in sin. Your family is lost in sin. Well, go and make disciples is saying, go get them and walk with them and help them grow into maturity in Jesus Christ. Go and get them. Well, how far should we go? Well, Mark 16, 15 says go as far as you need to go into all the world. There's no place you don't need to not go. Go into all the world. Um, there are places in Scripture. Let me, this is going to be new. I don't have this in your notes. There are places in Scripture that says, be still and know that God is God. There are, there are places like that. But I just want you to say, hear me say this. But the commandment is always to go. So unless he's told you specifically to say, then he means for you to go. Unless he's told you personally, no, you stay here. Over and over and over and over in his word, he has said go. Matter of fact, Paul, after Jesus is already gone, Paul comes back to the people and says, hey, if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, then our responsibility is to go. Go. We are now ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of Jesus Christ, going and making an appeal to everybody we know, those we love and those we don't love. Hey, listen, be made right with God. Be reconciled to God. And here's the deal. And I'm just going to be blunt with you. We all know to go, but for some reason we simply don't. And that's not something I'm coming up with. This is what Jesus has said in Matthew 9, 37. But this is how he said it. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, there's a lot of lost people out there, but there's not enough Christians going to get them. There's not enough people that has said, over my dead body, am I willing to let the people I love die over there? This is all about lost people, the harvest. So I wrote this in your notes. There would be more safe people if more Christians took going after the law seriously. It's all about lost people. Who do you know that you need to go after? Who do you know? You raised your hand earlier and said you'd know somebody. Who was it? Who was it? Will you, do me a Will you write their name down on your bulletin or hand it, whatever you call it? Will you write their name? We're going to come back to it in a little bit. Who is it? You know, I'd be thinking, well, I don't know what to do. I don't have 318 trained men to go with me. Right? But I want you to hear me say this. The point of that section is not that what to show you what you can't do. It's to show you what you can do when you make your mind up. 318 dudes whooped up on 30,000. Somebody made their mind up over my dead body. Am I willing to sit here and let you take Lot and his family and all his stuff? And get away with it. Are you willing to make your mind up? Saying over my dead body. Am I willing. To let. Whoever you raise your hand over. Listen. 
stay captive over there when I can bring him back and let him experience the favor of the Lord in the house. Um, this next week's Easter. Easiest Sunday of the year to get people here. Easiest Sunday of the year. And I want to give you two easy, quick steps. Two very quick, easy steps. That if, you, if you've made the decision over my dead body, then these are two easy steps you're going to make. No, no worries. Very practical. And we're going to see what happens when we make our mind up. This is the two steps. Here's the first one. The, the story is found in John chapter 1. It's the story of Philip and Nathaniel. I'm not going to read you the story, but here's what I do need you to know. Is that uh, Jesus was going to get his disciples. He was getting his apostles. He finds Philip, okay? And uh, Jesus says, follow me. And Philip said, first let me go get my boy, okay? Let me go, let me go get my buddy. He goes to Nathaniel. He says, uh, hey, hey, bro, we found, we, we, we found the one Jesus, that Moses had been talking about. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, of Nazareth? Can anything good come? And he said, come with me and see. Come and see. Come and see. And you realize, and I just want to say this to you. Um, Philip walked with Nathaniel. We know that because when he got back, Philip was with Nathaniel when Jesus said, I saw you under the tree. Because I know it blew Philip's mind, first of all. He walked with him. Uh, Abraham walked with Lot. He didn't say, I'll see you back at the house. He walked with him back there. When Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Again, I grew up on a farm. Okay. Um, let me just see how country y'all are. How many of you grew up sitting on the back porch, screened in porch, breaking beans, green beans? Anybody do that? Thank you. Some of y'all did. Some of y'all country folk. That's good. My job when I got up finally was to break beans. My grandpa's job, listen, was to bring the green beans in. Let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't go around in the garden and sit a bunch of five-gallon buckets out there and pray that they would jump off the vine into the bucket. I'm just being real. He didn't wish it to happen. He didn't hope it would happen. You know what he did? He went and picked those green beans off the vine and put them in the bucket brought them in the house. The harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of green beans on the vine, but they ain't just going to get in here on their own. I think that's a good point. They didn't post on online. Meet me at the church. Over and over in scripture, they brought them in. They brought them in. Here's the second one it's talking about bringing in. It's found in uh, Mark chapter 2. Remember the paralyzed guy? He had four buddies. And uh, they wanted their buddy to know Jesus. And so they, get, they brought him to the house that Jesus was at. Because you... You bring people with you. You don't necessarily invite them or hope and wish that they would come in. You bring them with you. And when they got there, it was so packed, um, they had to cut a hole in the roof. Remember the story? Now, I just want you to know, I bet whoever owned the house wasn't okay with them cutting a hole in it. Okay? I'm just being real. Uh, he probably wasn't happy about it. Matter of fact, these four dudes were probably going to have to pay for that hole. But you know what? I have a hunch they didn't care how much it was going to cost there wasn't nothing going to keep them from letting their friend get in the presence of Jesus. Even if it costs them a new roof to get it done. The first step is come with me and see. And the second step is do whatever it takes. 
to get them here. You know, I love the story of Abraham and Lot. You know, like Abraham, over my dead body, would I ever be okay with my friends and my family being held captive by an enemy? I wouldn't be okay with it. Over my dead body, that happened. I, I'd do everything I could to get to them as fast as I could to help them be free and safe. I would do whatever it took to see them saved. Listen, would you? Would you? Who do you need to bring in this week? Who do you need to bring in? We're going to wrap up our time so different than we normally do. Normally it's come to the front, right? Respond to the front. Um, This week it's really about getting geared up to go and bring in the people that we know that God's already placed on our hearts and in our minds. And so I asked you earlier to write down the name of the person that you raised your hand for. And and so this is why, if you didn't, I'm going to ask you now, would you write that person's name down? We're going to pray specifically for them just in a minute. But I know that going out and getting them, it can be scary. This may be something different than you've ever done before. But what I love is that the Lord teaches us, specifically in the Great Commission, that when we do go, we don't go on our own. He says, I will be with you always. Every step you take, listen to me, and in obedience to him, he will always be with you and before you to make it all happen. That's his promise. And one of the ways we remember that promise is by taking the Lord's Supper together. And so I'm going to pray for the the person you wrote down. And as I pray, uh, Dustin Routon, our children's minister, he's going to come forward. And one of the things I love about our church is we raise up our, our staff to, to, to do things they've not done before. And uh, Dustin's going to lead us in the Lord's Supper today. But listen, we don't go alone. The person you write down, you're not going to get them alone. You're going with the promise that the Lord is with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. And God, I thank you that you love us, you care for us. You love the person that we wrote down on our paper. Matter of fact, you love them so much that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, come to earth to die on the cross for their sin. So that if they would love you and trust you and follow you, they would be safe forever. So God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, as you have tuned our heart to the people that we love the most right now that are lost, God, I pray that you would continue to work in their life. So that as we go to get them, Lord, you'll give us favor with them. But Lord, I thank you that as we do go, we can trust that you go with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.